0: Sorry, friends. I'm getting at, I'm getting over a cold. I feel just fine, but there's a lingering sort of something in my throat. But I do hope that I'm audible, or, or maybe not. Maybe it's better not. I'm just afraid of it. We'll see. We'll see. We are in Easter, so these past few Sundays we've been. Reflecting on, considering the resurrection of Jesus and its implications for our lives, and we've been uh, going, coming at the resurrection with different angles, uh, thinking through what it means to believe in the resurrection. Uh, We've talked about the costliness of it, not only to Jesus but for us who believe, because of course the resurrection is a hard thing to uh, believe. I think in our time and our age. A man who was murdered just comes back to life. And somehow that changes everything. That, that's hard. And today, the gospel reading, we hear Jesus share one of the most, one of his most famous sayings. Not only one of his, his most famous sayings, but arguably his most complicated saying, Because he says, I am the way truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. In an age like today where we're aware of the enormous varieties of religions and philosophies and ideologies, different ways of living and existing, this is a very challenging saying by Jesus. And we should spend a little bit of time on it. So I will share, I'm going to share a little bit, you know, i got the 10-15 minute window. That can't be enough to talk about something so uh, important. Uh, so please do come after and talk to me. Let's, if there's something I share that feels uncomfortable, please, well, we should talk about it. That's the way we should engage. Um, there are things that I'm about to say that I'm uncomfortable with but my hope is that I'm not communicating what I'm thinking. I'm trying to share with you what Jesus is saying. And so we all have that to intent. That's what we're doing today. What is Jesus saying? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That narrow <coughs> claim is, pro- is it's either true or it's, or it's false. That, that's how we have to approach it. Right? If someone says anything, If someone uh, says, hey, I'm a fantastic magician and I can escape any trap (laughs) and then they get all chained up and they have a little rap and then they can't get out, well, what what are you going to think? Well, despite the evidence, you're a great magician. Well, probably not. You'd probably be suspicious of the claim. I hear what you're saying about yourself, but the proof isn't the pudding. Maybe you're not as good as you think you are. That might, that might be a little cheeky. Jesus, but Jesus, if you read the Gospels, if you read his, the stories of his life, he is always saying outlandish claims that he is the Messiah, is the political savior of his people who are under oppression from Rome. Or when people worship him, right, as a God, he stands there and says, yes, of course, please continue. He takes he doesn't tell a person to get up. If any one of you ever came to me and started worshiping me, yeah, and I think you'd do the same because it would be weird. It'd be awkward. But when it happened to Jesus, when people came, he stood there. He's like, "Yep, everything is going exactly as it should be." Right. So that's an it's a divine claim. I'm claiming to be divine. That is a very uh, incredible claim. And Jesus was saying these things. Now what do we do with that? Right? Oh, do we believe it or not? Well, as Christians, the whole idea is we recognize that this man who was saying these incredible things was arrested and then murdered by a government. And yet, so if he's murdered, and he's dead, well, I don't know what kind of God you are that dies. But well, maybe what you were saying doesn't really hold water. Right? You'd have reasons to be suspicious. But what if, what, what if he is back alive? What if he's resurrected? What do you think then? Right? Because if, he's, if he says, hey, I'm God, and then they kill him, and he buried him in the tomb, and then he comes back, and he's walking around, cooking fish for his friends, 500 people seeing him, he's giving instructions, encouragement, rebuke, love. You would think.
1: The natural
0: way to think about it is like, whoa, well, okay. You said these things, they killed you, you're back. Maybe you're the real deal, right? Oh, I should follow you. The things you were saying, they try to make you seem like a liar, but you're still here. Maybe I should trust you. Right? Maybe you're the, you are who you say you are. And everything is different now. Well, I think that seems sensible. In fact, it seems sensible to 50, 100, 1,000, and then millions of people now across 2,000 years. Billions now. But it is complicated because there is the resurrection. Jesus is who he says he is. And then you start thinking back to everything he said. Right? Now that he's resurrected, okay, wow, okay, you are alive. Let's think about what you've said so I can live my life according to what you've shared. And then we hear this today. Oh, Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through me. That's uncomfortable. Because if you're anything like me, you have friends. Not all of them are Christians. Some friends are a different tradition, different faith traditions. Or some maybe don't identify with any faith. But they seem to be honest, nice, good, kind people. Sensible, thoughtful. How is it that according to Jesus, they don't get to see God? That seems... I don't know. That doesn't sit right. Are you feeling that? That can't be just, okay. So we're all, we get it. All right. And I've been thinking about this. Not only this week when I saw the reading, I'm like, oh boy, all right. But it's something, you know, I don't know. I think about it. I've thought about it for a long time. Why do we feel that knot in our stomach? What, what, what is that? And it's probably a lot of things, but can I give you one? Can you tell me what you think? I think that when we hear it, it's, it's, the, it's sincerity. That's what we're wrestling with. Sincerity. Because I've had, and I have, dear friends, people that I admire, that I care about, who don't trust Jesus. They're not Christians. Right? Or there are other traditions. And I see them uh, live their lives and they have their convictions and they hold them sincerely. It's not pretend to them. They live by a, a code or a faith tradition and they try to process it and, they, and then they go out in the world and they're kind. As often as any one of us is, not more so. Or they're thoughtful, they're creative. It's sincerely held belief. And I think we all sense that. Right? And so the next step is, well, isn't that enough? It's a belief sincerely held. It's not pretend. It's not a charade. It's sincere. It's from the heart. Isn't that enough? Jesus, isn't that enough? In our age today, I think it's an understandable uh, question or suggestion or insight. At this point, I guess I have to suggest that it's not. That's the uncomfortable But can I share with you why I think it's not? Not to persuade you right now that you're like, okay, so so that we can think about it. Is that fair? All right. I think when you encounter people in the world that have sincere beliefs that lead to good outcomes, we appreciate that. And sincerity makes sense. But the fact is, we know this by history, and many of us here know it by experience, that there are people who sincerely hold beliefs that are... Terrible. Right? There are people in this world, and probably in a geographic area, who believe that women are not equal to men. And they believe that sincerely. Right? They thought about it. They contemplated it. And they believe that. There are other people who sincerely believe that people of color shouldn't be in any roles of authority or influence. And they believe that sincerely, it's not a charade, it's not pretend, it's a core conviction. And so when you take, when you think about that, you consider the reality of that, sincerity doesn't seem to be much of a help after all. Because if they say to me, well, Seth, I really don't think people of color should uh, be in any kind of authority. What am I going to say? Well, you hold that belief sincerely, so that's good. I'm nice. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to say that. Sincerity is nice, but sincerity is only really helpful or valuable if they happen to believe what I also believe. My friends, the world doesn't work that way. Beliefs aren't, in the end, uh, ultimately valuable based on how sincere you hold them they are valuable insofar as they're true. I don't believe, for example, that women are equal to men, and I think that's valuable because I sincerely believe it. I happen to believe that because I think it's true. And therefore, I hold it sincere. The truth, what is true, is the arbiter that decides what's valuable, what's not, what's good, what's bad, Right, Truth is the God, and then you hold that truth in sincerity. Sincerity without truth is just, I don't know, sentimental confusion maybe? And that's not the way we want to live. It just isn't. Okay. So I was having this conversation with my wife because I always talk to her about my sermons. And so she's the first person to hear my ideas, and she's always whittling away. God bless her so we talked about it. And she brought up, Well, we'll talk about it enough actually, that okay, Jesus is the only way. But Seth, a lot of people have said that, have believed that and proclaimed it, and gone off into the world and done some really awful things. Not just Yes, definitely historically, across thousands of people, but even in, like, interpersonally. You might know someone, a friend or a, a family member, who holds, yeah, Jesus is the only way. And they're so prickly, and they're so ornery, and they're so pugnacious, and you feel uncomfortable around them. And Maybe you feel that about me. I don't know. But I pray about that. But you see what I'm saying? We, we've experienced that. We think, well, Seth, so, yeah, then, if that's the truth, I don't know. It just leads to some really awkward ends at best. If not, just bad ones. There's something about having this narrow, exclusive way of seeing things that really mucks up the water. And I want to say, well, yeah, I think on... I think there's a lot of that that makes sense. And that's why I'm not trying to... uh, I can't speak to those specific instances right now. It's a big question. But can I suggest something? I'm so glad that today when we have the Jesus saying that we're talking about, it's paired with uh, the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. It's a very short reading. Stephen was a deacon in the church. And he's the first, as far as we the first reported Christian who was killed uh, for his faith. And it's a very short story, but you heard it. It says that they were, you know, well, he experienced uh, insults, he was grabbed, he was taken outside of the city because he proclaimed that Jesus was God. He's the only way, the truth and life. He was saying that, they took him out of the city, and they planned to murder him. And of course, they, they grabbed the rocks. And that they're gonna they're gonna kill him. And they did. Uh, I want you to notice something. It might be easy to miss. I I read this reading again. I felt like for the first time that I was reading it this week, thinking about this, and what struck me was the sheer beauty of Stephen's life, even and especially at the end, because while they were dragging him out for an illegal uh, execution, a brutal execution, and it wasn't a polite let's walk down the aisle. I'm sure they were hurling insult at him. Saying all kinds of terrible things and they're gonna kill him for what he believes. He prays for them. He says, God, forgive them. Don't hold us against them. He says, I see Jesus at the right hand of God. The one person whose whole life was dedicated to him, I see him. Please forgive them. God, I'm giving you my spirit. You know what he's doing? And the, and the most trying time for any human being to be so assaulted, to be so, to be murdered, he's forgiving, he's loving, he's praying for them. I, I can't do that if you look at me the wrong way. I get grumpy. He's being killed. He is a, a fountain of love. You know, maybe you picked up on him. You know what he's saying, what he's doing? He's emulating Jesus. Because when Jesus was on the cross being murdered, he was perfectly innocent. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The divine love exploding on that cross. They thought they were killing him. God was sharing his love with everyone. And one of those everyone's was Stephen. And they were dragging Stephen to be killed and hurting him. being so cruel. He was praying for him. So I want to suggest to you that believing that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life does not equal arrogance, being bigoted, does not equal being ornery or prickly, because Stephen sure wasn't. We would have seen that at the end of his life when he was being hurt. The true self comes out when you're pricked. How you react to how you're hurt shows us who you are. And we saw Stephen, a person who trusted Jesus fully, exclusively, and he loved especially those who were hurting him. If there were a hundred people like that, In this town, how different would it be? If there were 50 people like that in this town, how different would it be? If there were 10, if there were one, that doesn't excuse bad behavior. I hope I'm not doing that. Please don't hear that. Fact is, we see bad behavior across all beliefs and spectrums and ideologies and philosophies. People can be mean, really mean, in the name of whatever. Right? I hope you know that. So yeah, people have been mean in the name of Jesus. Um, to be honest with you, I have been mean in the name of Jesus. Some of you actually know that intimately. Maybe I've been mean to you. I'm sorry about that. We should talk about it. That. That's true. But that's more because I'm a broken human being, just like all of us. But Jesus is beautiful and true. And when you really take him to, into your heart, and you trust him so fully, you can be someone like Stephen. Which really, Stephen was someone like Jesus. And that's just beautiful. That's what Peter's talking about, right? The living stones. Now, here's the truth. Um, I think maybe for the bulk of your Christian journey, what Jesus said will be a challenging statement. Right? I think at some level it will be. And I want to let you know that you are in a very large human company. Jesus saying, I'm the only way, is a tripping stone. We stumble on it. i tried talking to you a little bit about it today. The truth is, you could stumble on it. All right? Notice that when Jesus said it, what happened? What did we, it, the disciples say? Philip. Well, Jesus, okay, Jesus, show us the Father, and then that'll be enough. One more miracle, Jesus. Prove it to me. And Jesus kind of lost his mind a little bit. What are you talking about? You just saw me walk in water. I made wine. I healed blind. People Are walking around me. Uh, when there's a giant storm, you thought you were drowning. I spoke and it stopped. Like, I've done a lot of things here. You don't need proof. You want proof, but that's not what you need. You think you need that. I gave you proof, you just asked for another proof. You just go on endlessly. What you need to believe and trust in me. You want to know? This is, this is what's going to if You're thinking, how do I... How do I approach this? It's like so analytic, it's so complicated, it's philosophical. How do I start, Seth? I hope you're asking. That. If you're not, I'm telling you this. This is how you start. And Peter, give it to me. I really want to read it because I want to get it right. Peter says, "Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." That's the door. That's the door to believing what Jesus says. Because once you take it to your heart, I'll use myself. I won't use I'll use me. Once I had to realize that I'm part of the problem in this world, that the love that I have is complicated and mixed with a lot of bad stuff, that I've done some good, but it's canceled out overwhelmingly, but I still don't know the bad stuff I've done, I realized I need help. Then I realized we all need help. And then, the story of Jesus comes in, and Jesus says, I love you, I see how broken you are, I've given you my love and my mercy, just trust me, it's going to be okay. And I receive that mercy, and that mercy molds my heart. It's relational, it's emotional. I come to realize, yeah, I do a lot of that stuff by rights, I probably shouldn't be wearing this, or I shouldn't have my life actually. But I do. And that's God's mercy. And I'm thankful for that every day. And in that accepting of God's mercy, all those, all that doubt that blocks away that Jesus is the only way, you'll see that doubt in that. And then you can see clearly. And then you can see the one who's standing at the right hand of God the Father. And you'll love like Stephen. And when people hurt you, you'll be able to forgive. And when they stone you because of what you believe, you'll pray for them. And you'll ask God, take care of them. You'll be so different. I'll be different. I'm looking forward to that. But it begins by trusting in Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Take it seriously. Let's have a conversation about this. This is the beginning of a conversation, not the end. All right? It's worth having because Jesus is worth it. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much that in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our uh, doubt, um, you don't give us pat answers. You don't tell us just to stiff up a little bit and leave. Um, You speak to us. You show us your wisdom. You show us your mercy. You show us your love. God, I pray that you help us receive it. Help us to apply your love to our lives in such a way that we may trust you. Not only trust you, but love with your radical love of compassion and forgiveness in this world. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.